With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode of the FPL Wire, powered by Dreamset Go. I'm your host, Zofa, and I'm joined today by someone whose grin is visible from space, big man Bakar. How did your game week go, Bakar? The boys played well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I wildcarded this week, and um, thankfully I was uh, able to get 82 points. So it went uh, better than imagined even, so... I'm glad it went really well. That's great to hear. And speaking of wildcards, we currently have one activated on today's pod by none other than Late Riser. Feels good to push the button, doesn't it, LR? Oh, you have no idea. I've uh, been uh, scratching my head for the last two or three days, been dilly-dallying whether to wildcard or not. I've been troubling both of you a fair bit as well in terms of what to do. And uh, I think I've realized that uh, pulling a, pushing, a, pushing the wildcard button is actually a little bit like your marriage conundrum. You're never going to be a hundred percent sure in terms of making that decision. But if it just feels right, you need to be a little instinctive with that. So yeah, I went for it, went for it. Uh, and once I push the button, I feel a lot better. It's all about taking the plunge. Yep, so yep, quick yep. word about Dreamset Go. A Dreamset Go is a global portal for fans to gain access to sporting events around the world, accommodation, flight tickets, hospitality, stadium visits, everything can be tailored exactly to your requirements. They also do celebrity experiences, which include masterclasses with your favorite sports celebrity or something as simple as birthday shoutouts. Visit dreamsetgo.co for more. The FPL Wire is a part of the Fantasy Scout Network and all stats used in this podcast are taken from the FFS members area. Please sign up if you haven't already. And uh, today we are going to be talking about a few interesting things on the pod. Uh, We're going to be starting uh, talking about how our individual teams did last week, just a little bit of on that, we're going to be talking about three teams in detail, Man City, Wolves and Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, where the hot topics for today is whether it's time to wildcard, what are the pros and cons of wildcarding right now, what are the players and teams to invest in. If you're wildcarding, there are too many striker options at the moment. So which three are the ideal strike force? Uh, what to do with Chelsea? Do we keep faith in them? Uh, what to do with Spurs? Is it a false dawn or, or are they actually good? 
and what to do with the United assets. So fixtures that we will be looking at closely for next game week are West Brom versus Chelsea, Spurs versus Newcastle, Arsenal versus Liverpool, and Manchester City versus Leicester. Followed by standard clean sheets, captains, uh, three top stats for the game week. Actually, just a little change. We're not going to be talking about clean sheets this week because we just don't think it adds that much value, uh, and we want to cover more questions. Uh, so, so why don't you tell us how your game week went? Game week went okay, not spectacular, not too poor. My usual benchmark is about sixty points for a game week. I got fifty-seven. Now, before we proceed to the operative section of the pod, I just want to touch upon an aspect which really seems to be affecting everyone across the community. In fact, we saw it in one of our friends' groups on Sunday. Uh, a lot of people had sold like Rashford, sorry, sold Sun for the likes of Rashford, Marshall for the likes of Kane, and people were frustrated. Somebody wanted to destroy his laptop and whatnot. I just want to mention again, like you know, just say that this hasn't been an unpredictable start to the season. It's not very often that you have a team that scores zero goals in the first game, scores five in the second, and four of the same goals have the same assist and score a combination. So. We should recognize that this is an anomaly in a, in difficult, different times. The whole pandemic, the lack of preseason, and there's no need to really beat yourself about it. You make the decision based on the facts available and how you think the game will pan out. Sometimes things work out, and sometimes the variance you can be on the wrong end of it. So don't beat yourself about it. Play your game how you want to play it, how you used to play it. Then trust your instincts. And then, and just add, that's a good point, Zog. I'm glad you spoke about that. Just I'd like to add to that uh, that you know you will continue to see a fair amount of variance in a few odd game weeks during the season. Don't be too bogged down about it. Generally, what I do, you know, when I'm having a bad game week or something, uh, make sure that FPL is your not your only hobby. Just switch off, switch off your social, switch off FPL, watch a good show or spend some time with those ones, and then you, I promise, you'll wake up better and fresher next morning. Yep. Let's move on now to the teams we're going to discuss. Number one, Manchester City. So why don't you kick us off, Ella? These are your boys, Pep's boys. Uh, uh, they looked pretty good yesterday. I was quite happy uh, to see. And actually, that's what pushed me over the edge in terms of, you know, I wanted to see if they weren't uh, showing United levels of, uh, you know, unsharpness or whatever you'd like to call it. And they look pretty good. Uh, and... Uh, a few of their assets made me think that, yeah, City is such a sure thing that you can't really go wrong uh, with a City attacker. They've been the top scorers or in the league for the last three years. And uh, I think uh, there are four primary assets that you need to look at when it comes to their attackers. And I personally think you can't uh, go uh, wrong with either. I think uh, De Bruyne, Sterling, Foden, as well as Gabriel Jesus are good assets in their own right. And... Uh, you need to pick two or three and uh, you'll be having good gimmicks on more occasions than less. Uh, first dilemma that we have, everybody's talking about, because I don't think everybody can pick between a De Bruyne and a Sterling. Uh, so what, what, what are your thoughts there, Bakar? Let me push this question to you in terms of De Bruyne versus Sterling. Yeah, so uh, personally, I've always been in the Sterling camp. Um, what I saw last night and before the circumstances, uh, I analyzed them and took them into consideration. Uh, I've always been uh, more of an um, Ali over Ericsson kind of guy historically as well, uh, preferring the goal scorer over a sister, um, which is why I use the same logic for Sterling and De Bruyne because I like um, midfielders who get me goals because they have, uh, you know, the greater uh, explosive potential and upside. Um, but, I mean, circumstances these days are such that I think that De Bruyne is, is now a better pick than Sterling. I, I say that because... Um, 
because Gundogan is uh, is going through COVID. Um, Bernardo Silva has sustained yet another um, setback. Guardiola confirmed that he he's going to be out uh, for a while, at least until after the international break. David Silva isn't around anymore. Uh, Pep doesn't exactly use Foden as a central midfielder these days. So that tells me that Pep is is planning on using De Bruyne as a number ten, like he did uh, last night against Wolves. Uh, and De Bruyne in that role, I saw it in the you know the tougher games last season as well. He is he is a different animal as a number ten. He is simply unavoidable. I uh, I can't look past him if he's playing in that role and has penalties in his locker and has set pieces. There's absolutely no way that I can avoid him. Yeah, I, I mean City is going to get what seven, eight penalties this season. They do have your tricky runners of the ball and they'll win a few this season. Where, where do you stand in that discussion, Zoff? I don't have much to add in terms of Bakar, what he just said. I think for me, it's KDB all day, every day. Sterling, after what he did to me in terms of captaincy last year, I really don't trust him. That being said, I owned KDB for 36 weeks last year and I captained him only once because I felt like, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy who consistent, like consistently get you a drip of points rather than the 20, 25 that Sterling sometimes can. So I guess to a certain extent, it depends on your play style. If you're going for those explosive hauls rather than the slow drip, I think. But with this new number 10 role, penalties, etc., I think KDB also has the potential for that explosive score. So for me, it's a no-brainer with KDB. We spoke about this at uh, length, actually, in our first part of the second one, where we says it really depends on uh, what midfield uh, Pep plays. And, uh, you know, if he plays Foden in the David Silva role, then... KDB remains the asset that uh, he was last season. But what we saw in the first game was he played further up than uh, usual. And uh, it looks like he might stick with that. I, I Just uh, in case, you know, our viewers didn't see the game yesterday. I The the formation was a 4-2-3-1. But I thought it was more like a 4-2-2-2 in terms of, uh, you know, we had our two holding midfielders in the pivot. And I felt like De Bruyne and Foden were sort of the advanced midfielders. And... Uh, Gabriel Jesus and Sterling were sort of the attackers. Uh, Sterling, one thing about Sterling is I thought that once Sane wasn't playing last season, he was hogging the touchline a lot. And when Sterling is hogging the touchline, he's not a good asset. This is not what happened yesterday. He was getting in good positions. He was inside the box. Uh, he was, uh, you know, if there were a few crosses going in, he was right in the center of the six-yard box for a tap-in. So I, I, I don't think uh, he's going to be a bad asset. That said, I am of the opinion that, uh, in given the current circumstance, De Bruyne is a better asset than Sterling, given everything that you guys mentioned. Uh, there's just a few stats that I'd want to actually talk about uh, when it comes to what happened between game week 30 and 38 last season. Sterling actually gets the most big chances for 90 out of all these assets. I'm going to talk about Sterling, Gabriel Jesus, Foden and De Bruyne. Where Sterling got 1.35 big chances per 90, Gabriel Jesus got 1.14 big chances per 90, Foden got 0.63 big chances per 90 and De Bruyne got 0.4 big chances per 90. That's it. De Bruyne is not one to uh, shoot from inside the box too much. I, I, I expect that to change this season if he holds the number 10 road. Talking about shots in the box per 90, Jesus is very trigger friendly. He's 3.68 shots in the box per 90, which is uh, highest in the league. Stat the city strikers, whoever's nails, tend to dominate uh, this stat. And if you have a city striker who's nailed, given that the other one is injured, he's always going to be a good asset. Uh, Sterling had 2.97 shots in the box per 90. Foden had 2.82 shots in the box per 90. So he tends to shoot a lot as well, which I found uh, quite impressive. 
And when it comes to chance creation per 90, De Bruyne absolutely dominates the proceedings here, where he creates up to 5.33 chances per 90. Uh, the other two are between 2.03 to 1.25. So, so I, to summarize, I'd say that all of them are good assets. It depends on your playing style. Uh, at the moment, given uh, the next two fixtures, I'm on my wildcard, I'm definitely looking at a double up when it comes to the city attackers and maybe a triple up. Let's now speaking about that. Let's just dissect. I mean, we not we don't need to speak much about KDB and Sterling. Let's touch upon Foden a little bit. Do you think he's nailed now? Let's. I know while Bernardo and Mahrez are slightly on the periphery, Foden is going to play a more bigger role. But once the international break is over, do you think Foden can be relied upon for starts? Uh, I'm not sure at the moment. I mean, uh, you're never sure with Pep because I don't think Mahrez is going to sit on the bench for too long. Uh, Bernardo Silva will be in the frame. There's also the Soon. new guy, Ferran Torres. Ferran Torres. I don't think you have to worry too much about Ferran Torres but because when it comes to uh, new signings, Pep takes his time in terms mm. of blending them in. But I feel like Foden will offer more than enough value at his price and he's definitely worth a gamble at the 6.5 price bracket. What are your thoughts, Bakar? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. For Foden, when he, he's starting, he's... Um... He, his numbers are more like a 10 million midfielder when he's starting. It's as simple as that. So I think he's. If I was wildcarding, I would have tripled up on City Attack for sure. Um, whether you go for De Bruyne, Jesus, Sterling, Foden um, depends on you. But all, all three of them are are really good assets. Foden is the enabler because he's cheap, and I think he's likely to play the next two or three at least. Uh, and he could do some serious damage, uh, you know, in, in that spell. Uh, he played really well last night, so I don't think Pep will, you know, drop him straight away. Plus, Mares, I think, is going to get the cup game. Um, uh, so, I, I think I'd expect Foden to start um, versus Leicester and then Leeds as well. Yeah. And what convinced me is the next two games, there are Le- Leicester and Leeds. Uh, I don't think Leicester have looked that convincing in defence. I mean, yeah, Justin scored a goal, but he, he isn't a really good defender. He, makes a, he has a few mistakes in him. And I feel like City will take advantage of it. Yep, I agree. Yeah. And for the benefit of our audio listeners, I'm just going to share the details of the table we have over here. So over the restart in the 10 games that City played, they scored 34 goals. The next highest teams, I think, was Manu with like 20-odd. They took 143 shots in the box with second place Chelsea at 101, Liverpool at 96. So they're in a complete league of their own in terms of chance creation. Now, shall we move right. on to Wolves? Any interest at all in their defense before we move on? Uh, I mean, who Ake probably because uh, who, who do you think player drops out when Laporte comes back? I, I don't know, and that's why I'm not interested in their defense. I think there are uh, the only nail defender that we are sure of what we know about is Laporte, and he's not playing at the moment. Hmm. So I'm not uh, interested in the defense until Laporte shows him. Plus, I feel like with City, you always want uh, a bigger chunk of their attack compared to... Correct. You always want a slot open in case somebody like nailed on pops out. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they'll keep a few clean sheets in between. But, I mean, it's, it's always, uh, you know, the, the upside chasing way is to, you know, go for the attackers. So, that's, that's what I'd recommend as well. Yep, yep. Let's move on to Wolves. All right. Why don't you kick us off on this one, Bakar? Yeah, Wolves. I mean, uh, you look at their run of fixtures, and 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 I mean, you you struggle to find a better run over the over the next few: um, West Ham, Fulham, Leeds, Newcastle, Crystal Palace. I mean, I can see quite a lot of uh, you know uh, joy for fantasy managers who are owning Wolves assets over this run. I mean, even uh, Ruben Vanagra now might become an option all of a sudden because Marcel got injured. Um, but I mean, the main boys will always be Jimenez, and 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 now Foden is is actually putting a 
real stake up for it. I, I actually went for him on my wildcard. I uh, I caught some highlights of the first game, and um, he don't, was. Don't don't hide that smug face, Parker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and he was uh, he was rate, rated as you know the man of the match against Sheffield as well. So I, I mean after what he did yesterday, I, I just can't see him getting dropped anytime soon. He's he's going to start, so he's a superb enabler at five point five. Um, then Jimenez is, is he's just you know he's going to you know he's going to continue to take along with with a, go, a goal or an assist every week. He he hardly ever blanks. Uh, he has penalties as well, so you know he's a very likable and dependable asset. For FPL managers, there's then there's size who's who's actually given more license to sort of bomb forward. Um, so those three are the ones I target actually. If if I was looking at Wolves or if I was on wildcard. Um, fair enough, fair enough. Zoff, yeah. you are generally a safer manager, uh, you know, amongst the three of us. Are you still convinced about Podens? What are your thoughts there? I'm reasonably convinced from what I saw from the game yesterday because there's a lot of talk about um, Semedo coming in who's going to eventually slot in at right wing back. So there's some like, you know, thinking that Traore could be get pushed up front. But in which case I could see now let's settle the Podence versus Neto debate. I think Podence is far higher in the pecking order than Neto is. He's definitely behind Traore, but I could see him as part of a three. He may not start the odd game, but I think he will definitely come off the bench in almost every game. And the upside, I think, is massive. At 5.5, the posi- I think he could have easily had a brace yesterday if his yeah. finishing was a little bit better. Jimenez was playing as a hold-up man. And this guy, Podence, was playing in the Jota role, what we usually exactly. see. So, he's directly replaced Jota. And like if you remember the kind of hauls Jota could get back in the day. So, I yeah. definitely think Podence has a lot of upside there. Yeah, he was he was the outlet on the counter as well because I saw saw him quite a few times running beyond the defense. And like we know, Raul likes to you know drop in a little and play a little bit of link up, etc. So I think the the upside is huge at five point five. And I would I would I wouldn't worry too much about him not being too nailed. I mean, uh, you have enough information in my head to take that gamble. I, even, I if comes, even if even if comes and Adama pushes on the right, I still think Gordon uh, says you know he's. he's more than capable of playing on the left. That's where he played, uh, you know, in the post-restart period. So I, I don't think that he's going to get dropped anytime soon. Yeah, but there's, a, what you... there's only one problem. Sorry, with the Mendes team is they're constantly looking to improve transfers. Now there's a lot of links with them with Douglas Costa. So if Douglas Costa comes in, the whole dynamic changes. Agree, agree. So agree. that's the main problem again with the transfer windows. And now Wolves are a very ambitious team. Now I, they're Mendes team. So any player that Mendes feels he can get, like you know, inflate his highest price, he's going to drop them off in Wolves. So I, I wouldn't mean, be surprised. It was also worth noting that he was taking, uh, you know, corners yesterday uh, with Moutinho sub. I think when Moutinho went off, that's when Porden started taking the set pieces. Yeah, so that that was that was interesting as well, and I um, I'd also like to point out here that uh, he's all, like in two games he's already created two big chances. So I mean his numbers are good as well. It's he nutmegged KDB, bro. That that was awesome. I love seeing that so much. And I I, I uh, tweeted about it, and I got like a few people tweeting the GIF. My God, I can watch that like every day. Uh, what what do you, I wanted to ask you guys: Do you do you see a little bit of regression in their defense? Because they don't look as watertight as they looked last season. They do look nimble. I mean, yeah, the City game is a write-off, but I generally expect Wolves to be tighter, even versus a yeah, team like City. I think Johnny Johnny is a big miss because I think Johnny was very very solid defensively. That was his specialty. He wasn't very good going forward, but in terms of one-on-one defense, he was very good. He was pretty much like in, a, in the back five, it became a back four with Johnny sticking behind and Doherty dropping now. You obviously don't have the, as good as cover there now in Vinagre or Marcel. I don't think Traore was doing any defensive duty at all. 
So I think exactly. there's definitely some difference there. Yeah, you and know, the thinking in my head with Sais is that the slight regression that we might see in the defensive numbers, he makes up for it in the license that he's given to Bomb. Yeah, Powell. yeah, absolutely. We had yeah. we had to define. It's a very that. interesting point you raise actually because uh, I've I've been actually reading up on Wolves quite a lot recently, and 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 Nuno's actually said that he's actually looking for a more attacking style. Precisely, that's a good point as yeah. well. As well, I've read that they want to evolve. Nuno keeps exactly. talking about evolving and improving. There was an article on the Athletic as well, which which sort of said the same on on Wolves that they're looking to play more expansive football. So I mean that might come at a cost. I mean as of now their numbers aren't that bad. Sure they've regressed because uh, you know in the post restart they were absolutely elite. Six big chances conceded in nine games. Yeah. Uh, but but now even against Sheffield they weren't as rigid as they usually are. Yeah. Post post restart they were only started playing only after 55 60 minutes. That yeah. Was template yeah. For yeah. Wolves. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's 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 move on to our uh, next team. Yep, let's move on. The next team is the one not many of us are investing in, but I think they're a much improved team from last year. Brighton. Why why don't you start with Brighton? So normally when I look at Brighton at the fixture ticker, I think it's an easy fixture, but I really don't think that's the case this season. I think they've evolved a lot more under Potter. They're very compact defensively. I think he's more or less found his preferred lineup now. Mopa is actually. finding his feet now in the top flight and i don't think they are a walkover now i think they are pretty much now like how we used to look at burnley like you might get a few goals but it might be a difficult game as well so i think we need to change our orientation of where we see brighton as a difficulty on the fixture ticker in terms of investment i think defensively they are very good team to invest against because now i think they've gone to primarily a defense first team you have white over there but of course the main man there i think is only one lampty in the back three system i've seen he gets a lot of penalty box touches a lot of passes and potter even talked him up after the game about his attacking potential so lamptey is definitely the one to get in attack i'm not really so sure What yeah he's he's, play, he, he's he's playing the uh, de bruyne playmaker role uh, uh, starting at right back actually it's not right back it's right wing back so what yep. brighton do is they play three at the back and uh, lamptey is given a license to bomb forward and he, the thing is he's 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 not like a Theo Walcott, you know, where he just doesn't have pace and power. He's got a good head on him, and he's got precision. So, uh, like the crosses that he puts in are actually very accurate. They're always threatening that defense. And uh, what surprised me the most is is uh, that uh, counter attack that they had uh, uh, in the last game, and he was the furthest forward uh, running at goal. And I'm like, uh, in my head, that moment cons- convinced me that this is the 4.5. Uh, defender to get, he's the pick of the lot. Yeah, there's a slight worry about him having competition with so many defenders being in uh, in Brighton. But whenever I watch Brighton, he looks like the best player. Uh, I sort of uh, disagree with you that they are defense first because they they play a lot. Uh, they tend to attack a lot, and I feel like some of the good teams uh, that are known for that have pacey players that are known for counter attack uh, could rip them open. And they against the really good teams, I wouldn't mind captaining a player against Brighton because. Uh, there will be gaps that good teams will take advantage of so that's that's the only thing i'd like to add in attack mopay and trossard are uh, good picks but their fixtures from an attacking standpoint aren't very appealing mm-hmm. in the next uh, few game weeks i actually really like trossard if he's nailed cuz he plays in the front three six million he's in and around the box he creates a lot of chances he's shooting he plays behind the striker as well so i like that pick in the 6 million bracket if you don't want to look at the fixtures and if your team structure like requires somebody that you just need to set and forget so you're loading up on man united players before the fixture against brighton uh no i am not <laughs> loading up on man united i got rid of them on the wild card oh interesting there interesting yeah. 
So what I I'm... agree with you guys. I mean, uh, Lamptey, I think is is the is the obvious one over there. I I noticed he's getting a lot of touches in the final third as well. I was actually reading up on the fan forums as well, and and all of them they seem to love uh, love Lamptey. They think that he's one of their best players, and he's he's a future sort of a top player. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I really wish he hadn't left Chelsea, but there was no option. We have James and Aspi to like in the pecking order. I won't be surprised to see him at Manchester City next season. Ooh, that's a big call. Just, that's, just that's the a, kind that's of that's a huge that jump. Could, that's yeah, a huge yeah. jump. I think he's good. I mean, how many right back? How many good right backs do England have? The mm. best in that position. Right, because uh, so, so just going back to Brighton stats, that's in fact what I've put up on the slide over here. Now, apart from Villa, Man City, and Man United, who have all played only one game each, only Liverpool and Arsenal have conceded fewer shots in the box than Brighton. All right. I think that the arrival of Ben White has also made a huge difference. For sure, for sure, he's quality. He's, he's They've allowed only five shots on target in two games. Yeah. So yeah, good defenders and Lamptey has license to come forward. Go there, go there for sure. So while we are on Brighton, let's do a quick, like let's say Ryan versus Martinez. Who would you guys prefer? Uh, exactly, uh, I think uh, I'd prefer Martinez because the way that uh, Brighton play, the chances that they allow. Might be big chances because they don't tend to sit back, sit compact, and defend, and lead to uh, you know the opposition having long shots, which leads to keepers having easy save points. I don't see that being the case with Brighton, and you know I, I'm not sure if I have the confidence yet to double up. I feel like Lamptey is a much better asset compared to Ryan. I'm not convinced about Ryan, and that's why I'd go Lamptey. And in place of the Martinez debate, I'd go Martinez. Yeah, I don't need to ask Bakker. We already know which side he leans. One more smugs. Smug smile on his face. Has a Martinez jersey been ordered? <laughs> not yet, not yet. About to. <laughs> About time. Right. So now let's move on to a big topic. I think there are a lot of wild cards flying about. What do you guys think? Is it right the right time to wild card? Let's ask the man on a wild card first. Elad. Uh, so yeah. So I think this is a good time to ask me this question because my head has gone to all kinds of places in the past two days. Considering the pros and cons, and uh, you know, I've had a bad start. I'm sitting at 4.5 million overall rank, and uh, uh, you start to doubt your decision making uh, when something like this happens. And uh, I realized that for me, wild carding was the good decision because once I did wild card, I feel better about it. But what I'm going to do is, and we need to be balanced as somebody's uh, as people who are podding in terms of what the pros and cons are. Now, the pros in my head and the thinking in my head is that. Uh, uh when i'm going to wild card i'm primarily going to back uh, wolves city and liverpool now these teams aren't uh, a shot in the dark uh, they've been a sure thing in the league for the past 2 years and they're going to continue being a sure thing you only need to see whether they look sharp whether there's any signs of rustiness which wasn't the case so it isn't a very risky wild card to play if you don't have a huge bulk of wolves city and liverpool players in your team now the second thing that i ask myself is uh, am i confident in terms of the glue guys that are emerging you know the guys that you want to stick in your team and then never move around so uh, lamty is one that propped up size is one that propped up reese james is somebody who's interesting me in the 5 million price bracket uh, burke is uh, giving me interest there's podens who's emerged as a value stick and forget guy that's jimenez and there are a good uh, few uh, players emerging in the mid price bracket as well when you're talking about zaha barnes foden so i quite like the brackets that are emerging and i'm quite confident that not much will change or these guys won't turn into bad assets overnight which pushed me to uh, take the plunge uh, the third thing that i really want to talk about is i actually took a minus eight minus eight last time 
to change my midfield. I had Dele Ali, I had Bissouma, I had Aubameyang. Uh, I had all kinds of problems in my team, and I took a minus eight, and I still had double Saints defense in my team. Who I'm not convinced about. I had a conversation with Lucy again, and she said that Ralph Facilitator is the kind of manager uh, who's. We we had this conversation before potting. He's very system oriented. He's very stubborn, and he's going to stubbornly stick with his system. He's like Bielsa. No matter what, I don't see him game managing. If he wanted to game manage, he would have done that in the middle of the first game where they were so consistent. It was like watching replays because they were getting open up, you know, t- torn yeah. apart. Every attack in the same way, so that's something I thought of. And I do I see Saints' defense improving? No, are there better picks for the price bracket? Yes. So I felt like, you know, with FPL, you don't need to take half measures. You know, if your team is very far away, let's say four or five or six big picks away from where you want it to be, then you need to go uh, the whole way. Because what would happen otherwise is I'd be uh, fixing and mending my team for the next three or four game weeks instead of. Being ahead of the game and making luxury moves based on fixtures, and I also know myself as a manager. Uh, I'm not a patient manager. I like taking hits. I like having a really good team on paper, etc., etc. So knowing my identity as a manager, I decided that I don't like playing defensive. I don't like playing on the back foot. So I went for the wild card. Uh, another point that others might care about, I generally don't really care about it, is that. The ideal team that you want might not be as affordable as it is. I don't really worry about it too much because at the end of the day, it's about you know picking uh, uh, Jimenez instead of uh, Gabriel Jesus, which is not that big a deal. Now, uh, and the biggest, most important factor is the peace of mind uh, that uh, playing a wild card gives you because you only have one or two or three decisions to think about week on week. If you have the wild card pending, uh, it's always niggling. You know, am I doing the right thing? Am I not being proactive enough, etc., etc. And when it comes to the cons, I'd like to talk about the fact that there is still a huge amount of variance. The Spurs uh, Saints result was a freak result. Uh, you do, like you mentioned, you don't see the same guy scoring four goals and the same guy assisting four goals and scoring, uh, giving an assist. We saw Spurs not look that uh, convincing in the first game, but we still call that you know they they that Saints would play a high line. So there is still variance. The guys who did the Salah to Mane move in the second week got punished. So there is, uh, uh, you know, pros in holding your wild card. Uh, if you, you know, United could play really well against Brighton and uh, Bruno, the likes of Bruno Marshall and Rashford might do what Spurs did. And uh, what is happening this year is that there are teams at different levels of preseason in terms of fitness. So we don't really know if all the teams are at the same level of fitness, which enables us to judge the pros and cons of a team. And uh, that, then there's still the you know game week 18 and 19 blanks and double scenario that you need to worry about and slight worry in terms of there are any postponements in terms of COVID. So I think that's the that those are the pros and cons that I weighed. And my team was more further than I wanted it to be. And I know myself as a manager, which is why I went for the wild card. But you need to see how far your team is from uh, having the ideal team and uh, what your personality is as an FPL manager. So, t- tell me, Bakar, what led you to pull the wild card last week? We were all pretty surprised. We didn't discuss it on the pod, and all of a sudden, we see wild card. So, what pushed you over the edge? Yeah, so this was uh, this is a very interesting story. I- I'd like to tell. Firstly, I mean, I get a lot of people asking me on my you know socials that why why aren't you uh, like should we wild card? They send me their drafts. It's it's a very personal decision to take. I mean, it it depends on the kind of manager you are. Um, so I'll 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 tell you how I. I kind of uh, wild carded how I walked into a wild card. It was, 
I last time uh, this week, um, uh, last time past week, we were talking. I would, I wouldn't have imagined in even my wildest dreams that I would have wild carded by now because I wasn't even considering it. I was fairly certain saving a transfer. Um, what happened was that uh, after the part, like that same uh, night, I was talking to a friend on WhatsApp, and uh, he's he's sort of a he's he's playing FPL for the first time. He's taking it seriously for the first time. So I'm kind of mentoring him. So he he was asking me for for advice for his team, and and he asked me to if I could you know show him my 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 own team. I I sent him my team, and and he's like, oh, um, you have Robertson, Trent. Um, against uh, Havertz, Werner, I, could, Mitrovic I, I told you that. Mitrovic against Sailing. Then there's um, Dyer against Che Adams. So um, where are you going to get the points from? I mean, and he's like, why don't you wildcard? So, I mean, that kind of got me thinking. I was like, this is a guy who's who's playing FPL for seriously for literally the first time. And should I really listen to him? I mean, I kind of changed the topic, but over the next 30 minutes while we were texting, at the in the back of my mind, I was thinking whether, whether he might be right. And The mentor my, became the mentee. <laughs> <laughs> and on my laptop, I was sort of tinkering with my draft. And um, what further pushed me was that he sent, he showed me a screenshot of his team that he had wildcarded. FOMO. And I really liked the team. <laughs> I really, really like the team he posted. Um, I, I, I mean, I I made a, a, my, a, my own draft and I sort of compared it with my own team. And I mean, with United assets, Everton assets, Wolves assets, I knew that their fixtures were good and most of the assets were proven. So it wasn't going to be too much of a risk. And I just thought that the upside was too big for me not to play it. And all of those players were differentials. Uh, it, it was just a decision I, I made based on that because, I mean, I, I didn't sort of uh, announce it on any of my social media because I knew I'd get slated for it. Or you get uh, talked out of it. Yeah, I mean, people would talk, would have talked me out of it. I, I, I know that because they'd be like, there's lack of data. There's, you know, everyone was saying that maybe a game week free wildcard was pre preferably the better strategy. So I, I knew I'd get talked out of it. That's why I didn't post it. And I, I just did it. I just like the upside so much that I, I, I couldn't resist. And I, I, I pulled the trigger that very night. And... And he's like, I told him that I have wildcard as well. And they're like, okay, we're in this together then. And, then, <laughs> yeah. and uh, good you mentioned that because you felt right and you did it. I, and, you know, some a lot of people are, uh, you know, looking for template right things to do and template wrong things to do. And uh, there was a stark difference between the guy who finished first and second last season. One was a really patient guy and one was a guy who took a lot of hits. So th there are multiple ways of Absolutely. playing playing the game. And, uh, you know, uh, I think a lot of people have a lot of business in telling people that, you know, this is the right thing to do or this is the wrong thing to do. I, I I feel like it depends on the individuality and the personality of the manager. And what we are trying to do, podding here, is giving you the dual-sided argument for both and arming you with information. Absolutely. Which, uh, I mean, if, if there are sort of long-term picks you'd like to pick, then, I mean, then why not? Don't be scared to play it. That, I, I notice this a lot with managers. I mean, people sort of want to use wildcard as a get-out-of-jail card rather than to attack, which which is something which which I don't personally like. I like to use the wildcard attack because it's it's meant for the upside. I mean, it's 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 something, you know, if you take hits early on in the season, I, I hate to take, you know, 8 point, 12 points at early in the season. I just think it's a no-go territory. So, I mean, this is just my own personal story. It depends on the kind of manager. In, 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 in interest of providing a balanced argument, uh, what, what, do you, what would you say are the cons of uh, wildcarding this early? 
the cons are the, the 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 lack of data available. There wasn't enough evidence. I mean, it, it could have gone horribly long. I, I mean, I lucked out with, you know, for example, Martinez saved a penalty. Salah didn't do anything. I went without Salah, which was again a huge risk. I mean, obviously, you need luck to go in your like, favor as well. That's a good point. West Brom got the red card, which is really like, like you know get points also. There is Absolutely. a lot of luck at play as well. Absolutely. I mean, Calvert Lewin and James Rodriguez. I, I had doubled up. I didn't expect you know Everton trounce West Ham, West Brom by by that margin. I mean, there's always you know you always need luck to go your way. But I mean, it was it was just a one in a million game week, and I'm I'm glad it paid off. I mean, shout out to my friend Hamza for sort of um, walking me into it. But uh, it was it was good fun. Nicely done. What, what are your thoughts of? I actually, want more of the arguments uh, because we are talking uh, very pro wildcarding, and I don't want us to be a pod that recommends wildcarding. I want you to provide the arguments against wildcarding. First right off, now. you're not posting any drafts in our group if, unless I'm gonna get. I'm definitely gonna get roped in like TFF did once I start seeing your wildcard drafts. So keep them away from me, please, because <laughs> I'm on the fence myself. It's something quite tricky actually, because like you know. I've never wildcarded this early. Like it's always been at least till the international break. It's never been like before that. It's, I think I had actually written an article on this for the scout, where, so with a lot of my thinking on this. And this year, the transfer window, I think it seems quite dynamic in terms of what's happening. But in terms of players could lose their spots, and I just don't know in terms of form. Like for example, now if I wildcard today, I'd probably sell Mitrovic. Mitrovic got a brace the last game. I don't know if he can do that repeat. Was that Leeds making him look good? Was that like Fulham? Are they going to consistently create chances? I don't know that. Now, I have Havertz and Werner who play West Brom. It's a bit difficult to judge now. You could say that Chelsea are not really picked up pace. Chelsea could struggle. But at the same time, you look at West Brom as a whipping boy. So, it's really difficult to assess in terms of the players you sell. Whether are they really better than the players you buy now? For example, I'd have to pick between Hamas and DCL probably if I had to pick one right now, and I think it's DCL, but I don't really know for sure. So I'm generally very conservative in the way I'm thinking until unless I know what I'm getting into, I probably won't take the plunge. Now you mentioned Reese James. Now Reese James right now he's starting a few games. Now let's say Aspie. Aspie is not going to be permanently benched because on the field he is our leadership. He provides the stability. So. You could see James miss out overnight. A lot of things can happen. A lot of things can this change. Just, I'd, I'd like to pause you. This is your stand. It's, it's becoming a thing every pod now. There's always a little bit of an underwhelm when it comes to a Chelsea pick that you have to go on. I just need to pause. Absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say that as well. So, yeah. So, I'm on the fence myself now. You could obviously attack it with all this say now. Yeah, Wolves are doing well. I want more of Wolves. Wolves have a great fixture run. But in terms of shots, they've actually taken fewer shots than Southampton. You go back to that. I think in terms of shots, they are like eleventh or twelfth. It's just that, like you know, Jimenez is far more clinical than your other strikers. So I would still like to see. I'd like to know what I am not getting, as well as what I am getting. I know that, like today, okay, I don't want Bruno for sure. I don't want Marshall for sure. I don't have that information. I would say in today. And now, see, a lot of people now. A reason they play the wild card is because I mean, I might not be able to afford X team. I might not be able to afford Y team, but the pool of players today is so large. Now maybe today you can't afford a Jesus who's nine point five, and a wild card you can still afford a Sun who's at nine. The options yeah. at every price point, I think, and across the table this year, the just the sheer number of options are crazy. Yeah, exactly. In in terms of uh, reasons to wild card now, in my opinion, value is the weakest reason because I think it's not that difficult to find uh, an alternate that's. 
who have also a very good fixture run now there's a lot of talk about Mitchell being short term i don't think he's a very short term option now hodson was a full back in his day i think he likes defensive full backs he wants his full backs primarily to be good defensively now i think somebody yes. had mentioned on our group when pva come back he might even put him in schlapp's position up top i think the spot is mitchell's to lose now he's been he's been the, i think what we saw from pva last year is what we are seeing from mitchell this year in terms of defensive solidity so i think it's his spot to lose until he does something really stupid so if you have mitchell i would definitely hold on to him not one i would lose on a wild card now chelsea are up next and the good news is kepa has had his medical sorry not kepa uh, what's his name mendy mendy has now had his medical we have not seen kepa anymore did you guys see the tweet that the female footballer put out that the top level of the men's game this happens i thought that was hilarious <laughs> with kepa's clip So what happened in the women's football? Somebody did a back pass with a forward intercepted and put through on goal, and everybody was tweeting, "Oh, look at this is the standard of women's football and all that stuff." And that goalkeeper put out a tweet of the same Kepa thing. So <laughs> I really like that. That was well really done. good. Well that was really good. So yeah, Chelsea had a recent fixture run there. Wolves obviously they have the West Ham, Fulham, Leeds, Newcastle, Palace, Leicester, Southampton, and. I think Wolves are definitely a team you should be investing in terms of defense. Size probably, Vinagre maybe short term, but if they sign Semedo, Semedo is very attacking. I think as a right wing back, and he has much better end product than Doherty as well. I expect him to come in at five point five, and that's who I would definitely look at. Then you Interesting. have then you have Liverpool. Liverpool. I don't think we need to speak much about their defense. I, I just, I just, I just add on Liverpool. I think uh, that uh, Trent and Robbo are now. Uh, better option than they were previously because uh, just like to add that you know i thought fabinho was fabulous as a center back uh, against chelsea i thought he had a really solid game and Annoying i feel like liverpool liverpool will have a lot more control in the games than they previously used to because of the 
thing that Thiago does. You know, he controls that midfield. He doesn't let, give the opposition a sniff. And he's very good with these overhead through passes to the fullbacks on either side, which might put Trent and Robbo in on both sides. So I think they become better options than they were previously. I definitely I mean, agree. It's also worth noting that they haven't conceded a, a big chance from open play this season. So, I mean, defensively, they've been okay despite, you know, conceding thrice against uh, Leeds. And then uh, another name I'd like to mention is Charlie Taylor. I mean, he was really sort of attacking against uh, Leicester as well. And he, he can put a decent cross in. I mean, Burnley's fixtures aren't, aren't bad. He's a decent option as well. Yeah, surprisingly, Burnley aren't very high up on the ticker. I've sorted it for defence for the next 10 weeks. I think the fixture stiffen up must be after the next four or five. All right. I just like to say that, you know, when you're picking your uh, team uh, on wildcard, when it comes to defence, try making sure that your picks are from good defences. Don't look at the fixtures too much and try having sort of a long-term picture because you don't really want to be spending uh, uh, transfers in defence when you're making your moves. And out of the uh, outside of the names that you guys have mentioned, uh, uh, Everton is somebody that interests me. I spoke about Keane last week as well. Their defensive numbers are not so bad. I think only Arsenal and Liverpool have uh, lesser shots in the box this season so far. Uh, we, I, I still think Spurs are a good bet for clean sheets and they have a good run of fixtures over the next 7-8 game weeks. Uh, Guaita is somebody who's interesting me in the keeper bracket as well. So, keep a note of that. And uh, I feel like if you are on wildcard, it would be a good idea to drop a Leicester defender right now because I, I don't rate their defence and you can't keep relying on attacking returns week on week. Castagna is good, but I just... Uh, Actually, Evans is back next game week, so that might... Uh, is he or is he injured? I read he got injured on international duty. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. It's just as long as Justin is playing, I feel like they'll continue to concede goals because I they, they're giving up a fair bunch of chances and how much can you rely on attacking returns. So, just be careful if you're going for Justin and now you're closer to a Pereira return than you previously were and I'm convinced that Justin will make way and not cast him. Another thing on the Everton defence, I uh, I mean, Dini's numbers against West Brom were really impressive. He had like 41 touches in the final third. He was also on set pieces and he he played really well. But the thing which, which worries me with Everton is that despite the fact that their defensive numbers aren't, they're actually pretty impressive. It's Pickford in goal because he, he looks horribly out of form. Uh, he looked all over the place against West Brom. But he was good uh, versus I, Spurs, I thought. He did a couple of good saves of Ali and a couple of ones, I thought. Yeah, he, he just bought on his new mask for one game. Mm-hmm. And he gave it back to Ma because the Bundesliga was starting mm-hmm. again. And he was back to being Pickford again. I mean, let's just yes. go back to Everton in terms of defensive solidity. I thought they were pretty leaky against, against West Brom until the red card. They were. They were. They were. They were. I just, I feel like uh, they'll still be more solid uh, based on the strength of the team. Nothing else. Hmm. That's interesting because I just I'm just having another look at their fixtures on paper now. Palace away, maybe a clean sheet. I'm never very confident in their away clean sheet prospects. Now Brighton, again like we spoke about, good team could offer something. Then you have Liverpool, tough one to call. They've had their fair share of nil-nils. Could be another one. Then you have Southampton away, Newcastle away, Man United at home, Fulham away, Leeds home. The fixtures aren't really as easy, I think, defensively as they appear to be third on the ticker. Fair, fair, yeah, fair. I agree. I that's, agree. A, that's a fair I point. Agree. I feel like uh, Spurs kind of and uh, Bulls in the family bracket might be a better but option. Exactly. Sorry, sorry, Bakar, I cut you there. No, no, it's perfectly all right. I was just saying that yeah, Brighton at home is 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 the one I, I I'd be most confident on, and most of the away games I'm not sure. I mean, Palace away, like uh, Zoffer said, is a 50-50. I'm not sure about that. Then Newcastle away, Saints away is a tough fixture in my opinion. Uh, Zoff is cold on Reese. What about you, Bakar? 
I, I have him in, in, in my team. I, I, I think he's going to keep his place. Um, I, I've been reading up uh, on, on James as well. And most of the, you know, the reliable Chelsea journalists seem to think that Aspie is going to have a real fight uh, for his place this season. And, and they think that James, in this form, is, is going to play the next, you know, two or three games. And, and honestly, that's what I need him for. West Brom, Crystal Palace, Southampton. There's there's a chance of a double-digit haul. Yeah, for the next right there. short term, I think he's definitely a good pick. But long term, once the Champions League comes around, that's when things will start getting a bit dicey. Yeah, All right. yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, his yeah. numbers when he plays are really good. Post restart, he was second for big chances created after Robertson. So I know he's an explosive option when he but plays. But that's on the back three. A lot of those numbers are actually when we played him in a back three. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Yeah. Still, still, I think he's got quality and uh, oh, definitely. He's, like he's world class. He's crosses. Yeah, it's not. He's the best. Wow, Zoff, 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 bigging up a Chelsea player. Wow, something new has happened on this squad. No, I would bring anyway. up Chelsea players. I just don't big them up as FPL options. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's 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 move to, <laughs> to the attack midfielders now. Yeah. Uh, uh, you go, you guys want to talk about the budget options first? Because I think a fair amount of interesting options have uh, uh, appeared in the eight million and lesser bracket. Uh, but which which are the ones you target, Bakar? Uh, I mean, I've already talked about Podence, um being the 5.5. Foden, I've also spoken about in detail. These are the two go-to ones for for me, in my opinion. Um, what, for, what do you? What, I, I'll throw a few names at you. What, what do you think about uh, Zaha versus Barnes? Both have looked pretty interesting so far. Now this is an interesting one. Barnes actually has had the most shots in the box of of all players in the league, which is a shocking stat because and I didn't always loved him. I didn't expect him to be top for shots in the box of all players in the league. That's that's really surprising. Um, I think it's it's another tough one to decide because, I mean, I think Barnes is going to keep his place. The problem with him is that he he can always you know um, get dropped if Leicester switch switch to a three, three at the back. But I think he's he's safe for now. Uh, I think I like him more than Zaha purely because of the fixtures in the next three. I know Leicester have City away this week, but after that they have West Ham at home and, and, Villa. and then Villa at home. Yeah. The only only thing people would worry about they have a new signing called Under who again who plays in the front three but I think I feel like Perez is more at more at threat yeah. than Barnes exactly exactly and, and, and your thoughts on Zaha? I mean Zaha has always blown hot and cold. I mean you know this is this is typical Zaha. He performs so well in a game then he disappears for the next four or five months. This I, I've seen this before from him. I'm not still entirely sh- like sold on him, but the fact that he might be on penalties does make him a more appealing option if he might you, be you think he's going to continue playing strikers off? I mean, Batshuayi eventually is going to get into the frame. They're also apparently put in a bid for Brewster. There's IAU. So, I don't think he's continually going to play a striker. And the thing with Zaha, you have to keep in mind, I think he's playing for a move right now while the window is open. So, once the window shuts, he's not moved. I wouldn't be surprised to see him down tools and return to the Zaha of old. Because I think no. the, the Palace, the main advantage, I don't rate Palace as much as an attacking team, but I think they've had a good preseason and they've come out sharper than everybody else. And I think that's what we are seeing more so than the actual quality and talent they have. Fair enough. Fair enough. Also, while, while we're at the budget midfielders, Oli Burke, 4.5 million, he started up front for Villa, so for Sheffield against Villa. And I, I thought he played reasonably well given yep. that. Very know, well. He stuck on for uh, 90 working. minutes. That's what I found interesting. All the other subs were made and Burke stayed on the pitch the whole time. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, even if you might have a little bit of rotation, it's not better having a 4.5 striker. He can get something off the bench, game. absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think there's a good chance that he can, you know, start a few games, especially if the Brewster deal doesn't happen, which I don't think it, it will now. So, I mean, there's a good chance uh, that, that he can play up front. He can be a real bargain at some point, I'm, I'm sure. Yep. So, we just have on wildcard. So, I'd just like to add one. Go on, go on, Zop. I was. We actually got the fixture ticker up here. So, with all the fixtures sorted for the next six weeks. So, I just wanted to go through that. Like, you know, we could just go through now. Like, for example, Wolves, we've already covered. There's not much there. West Brom actually have some decent fixtures in terms of attack. I know we wrote them off a little bit after game week one. But I don't think they're that bad in terms of like your Diangana, Pereira. I think they do offer budget options. Okay, that, that was the name I was uh, going to bring up. And I quite like uh, Diangana in that 5.5 million bracket. And, uh, you know, if you're going very heavy on big hitters in your, mark, uh, in your team and you need one more budget midfielder, I quite like Diangana. He's got a few decent fixtures coming up as well. You know, he's got uh, Chelsea, who might be a different team without Kepa, who knows, uh, highs off. Uh, he's got Southampton, he's got Burnley, Brighton, Fulham. So, for a 5.5 million midfielder, it's not, it's not a bad uh, player to have. And he plays in a Billish team. A Billish team uh, will always be half decent in attack, I think. Mm. Exactly. So then, and so now, and what's interesting is Burnley. We didn't see them in the defensive ticker, but short term, the attacking fixtures are good with Southampton, Newcastle, West Brom. Yeah, f- any, any midfielder you like. I mean, there is McNeil, but I'm not. I mean, the, I, I quite like Chris Wood. I think yeah. Chris Wood is probably a decent option in the short term. And apart from that, and nobody other teams really stick out. Southampton still have a decent run in terms of attack. Spurs, obviously, Palace, Chelsea, United, and Leicester. All right. I, I, what I'm going to do is again, uh, you know, we've covered the budget uh, midfielder bracket. I'm going to throw the slightly higher premium uh, price bracket. We won't go to the big hitters yet, but w- what are your guys' thoughts on the Chelsea mints at the moment, as well as Son, as well as Bruno? Yeah, I think let's move on to our next hot topic. In fact, that's what we are going to talk about. Let's touch upon first whether we should keep the faith in Chelsea. All right. Well, why don't you tell us, though? I mean, Lamb's press conference ahead of tomorrow's Cup game just finished. He said Chilwell is back in the squad. Thiago Silva is expected to play some minutes as well. And Ziyech and Pulisic are, quote-unquote, getting closer and not far away. So, that's what really interests me. Because I think Willian hasn't really been replaced properly on the right wing. We've missed that sort of ball progression. Now, our ball progression either came from Willian or it came from Pulisic. Now, both of them are out of the team. So, the sooner we can get them back, I think that's when we would really start firing because I'm not very confident in Chelsea at the moment. If I wildcarded, I would probably dump both Chelsea assets irrespective of us playing West Brom. But I do think there's improvements to come and off. Like, we haven't really seen, like, now the Brighton game was the first game or sort of a preseason. The second Liverpool game, we only played for half. So, we can't really judge Chelsea now. As we saw with Spurs or United or whatever, we haven't really had the chance. I would probably give them one more game. Yeah, I, I, I'd not be too worried about them. Go on, your thing. So, that's probably my thinking on them. I would say if you have, have, you hold. But I would probably not be rushing, obviously, to be bringing anyone in right now. That includes Reese James. All right. My, my thinking is uh, different, actually. I think I'm still going to hold on to Timo Werner. On my wildcard, I like his next three. West Brom, Crystal Palace and Southampton. Uh, West, Brom were, uh, West Brom are right now leading our league table for most number of big chances to concede it. I like that fixture. He looks like a really good FPL asset. He's running behind the defence. Uh, he's moving around a lot. Uh, and, you know, his tights might be inconsistent. But he passes the eye test for me and I quite like him as a player. 
and like you mentioned you know uh, that these guys pulisic and zh are going to be coming in very soon so i wouldn't be in a hurry to lose him because the next three are pretty good from an attacking standpoint uh, again that's the same with kai havertz i thought uh, you know the liverpool game was a little unfair on him because of the red card that happened and i thought uh, chelsea weren't playing too bad until that uh, red card you know that but i i think to take this game as a one off where it's a very tactical game when the lampard is playing against the clock uh, chelsea will in my opinion continue to post uh, good numbers in attack i wouldn't be selling them uh, uh, if i wasn't playing my wild card if i was playing my wild card i wouldn't mind having one attacker in my team yeah i think yeah yeah so i i agree with both of you when you uh, when you say that, that you know don't buy don't sell uh, it's it's simple with it's basically with werner um you mentioned that he was uh, west brom were top for big chances considered over the next two uh, i mean it's also worth noting that five of the eight big chances they considered were to to strikers so that bodes well for timo this week and i think he's going to do well um he passes the eye test for me as well i mean i think he's is going to do well over the next three with hawards i i'm not exactly sure but if i had him i i would have kept him because the fixtures are so good and besides the fact i think that with uh, ziak and polisic back i think that will also make him a better asset and even because, if uh, polisic isn't back uh, we noticed in the previous game werner was drifting towards the left, left playing yeah, sort of yeah. in a left inside forward and hawards was playing sort of central strike false nine and, yeah, yeah yeah i was going to bring that up so yeah. that's another excellent point uh, he's he's getting into good positions i won't judge them on the basis of a game against brighton where they didn't exactly have a proper preseason and then against 10 where uh, with 10 uh, players against liverpool I, i think it's it's a bit premature to make conclusions on the basis of that yeah let's move on to spurs so what do you guys think spurs are they the real deal or was this southampton making them look good I definitely don't think we're going to see a result like how we saw against Southampton again. Uh, I mean, we were talking in a group chat, and our good friend Jazzy shout out to him. Uh, this was a good uh, quote from him. He said that Newcastle strikers will be will be there in the next game where the Saints defenders will. I mean, That's Newcastle brilliant. are going to sit sit back <laughs> and defend. They're not going to be as nice. Steve Bruce is going to park that bus uh, and let uh, Newcastle play. But I still feel like Newcastle are a shambles uh, and uh, i expect spurs to win by a two goal or a three goal margin so uh, when it comes to attack uh, i feel like there are more attractive uh, uh, players that i'm uh, going leaning towards uh, but i wouldn't sell for sure son is still a good pick he's tending to make more uh, infield runs than he we spoke about this in the last pod as well he's tending to make more infield runs than he normally did and both of them kane and um, son uh, are looking pretty sharp i mean people talk about uh, you know l- the lack of creativity in the spurs team kane is making a case to be one of the best number 10s in the league look at those passes he did the, the passing range game. he has is incredible reminds me of rooney rooney yeah. had some very similar attributes would either of you guys take a hit for havertz to sun this week no i wouldn't i i won't do it as well i mean the high line that southampton were playing against um, you know spurs it was always a disaster waiting to happen for for son i mean it was inevitable that he you know i i didn't expect him to score four but with the way with how expensive they were it was fairly obvious that you know they'd get hit on the counter sooner rather than later and i mean the fact that um, all four goals that he scored were more or less of the same type tells you more about Southampton's play style than than him himself i think i agree with late riser when he says that uh, newcastle will be more rigid i i, I mean son will probably still score a goal or a goal maybe but i i don't think he'll haul 
big in in that one. I I just don't see that happening again. Would you go and, either Kane or Son on wild card? No, I I won't. I won't because I mean after this they have United away. I know United just lost, but I I'm sure they'll improve over two weeks after you know. Uh, the fixtures the fixtures are pretty decent. They read Newcastle at yeah. home, United away, then there's West Ham yeah. at home, Burnley. I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring that up. I mean, if I was looking at Son, I I would look at him after game week five, after the United fixture from game week five onwards. All right. So what are your sure. thoughts? Anything to add? Nothing much. And in terms of the defense, I would still say it's a hold. I think, but the whole Davies Doherty situation is a bit more complicated now. I think we read a quote from Doherty where he said he has to do a lot more work defensively, probably more than he's ever had to do in his career. With Davies, now we have the whole regular thing. That's how you pronounce it. So the upside defenders thing has gone down quite a bit. I think now Dyer is by far the best pick there. Yeah, and he's still a very uh, decent uh, five million defender pick given the fixtures that have happened. They will get a few cleans in the future. Yep. Let's move on to Manchester United. Now you have to kick us off here, Ella. Ah, I was uh, very very disappointed. I mean, I had uh, Marshall captain as well as uh, uh, you know Bruno Fernandez in my team, and then I'm having a conversation with my father on the dinner table. And he's like, you need to forget your United bias when you're doing a pod and acting as a pundit. And I was like, all right, man, my father's giving me advice when it comes to United. So I'm trying to give a more uh, balanced point of view here. Uh, we do look uh, not very sharp at the moment. Uh, but I, 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 I don't know how long it takes for a team to gain sharpness. The Brighton game, uh, I think, is going to go either way. Because I think Brighton is going to pressurize us. And uh, that could either... Uh, make us crumble because we are not fit enough but if we are fit uh, you know fit enough and we build some fitness i think we are more equipped as a team to play a brighton than we are to a crystal palace because we have pc runners uh, who are uh, going to make runs behind the defense and if brighton give us a spaces uh, we'll take advantage of it so it's similar to what uh, chelsea is you know it's it's neither uh, buy neither sell because we haven't looked uh, convincing as yet and uh, and while and on wildcard i feel like uh, city and liverpool are clearly the better team so we don't need to think about it too much uh, i have a sneaky feeling that uh, if donny starts uh, he's uh, going to be a sneaky little good asset uh, because uh, he was linking up the play and having nice one twos with the united uh, attack he's the only one who looked sharp last game everybody else was uh, very immobile i so thought he was getting one. into the box more than bruno i think in my exactly. team bruno's role a little bit Exactly what I was going to bring up because if Donny is starting, I think he reduces Bruno's appeal uh, as an FPL asset. Something to watch out for. That's interesting. But you guys are going to get twenty plus penalties either way, so might as well just take it. I mean, there. another another point I'd like to add here is that I mean, Brighton are I, I think Brighton are exactly the side, uh, sort of team that will struggle against attackers who are pacey and direct, like Martial and Rashford. I mean, you saw that when they played uh, Chelsea, that Werner was continuously looking threatening, making runs in behind. And and that's why I think United attackers are likely to do well this week. I think United will score at least twice. Yeah, it, uh, it totally so, depends on how sharp we get because in the game against Palace, nobody was making runs, nobody was moving around. So I was disappointed seeing that we just didn't look up to it. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I'd say that if you have Martial, uh, Bruno, Rashford, just just keep them because there's all there's every chance they can haul against Brighton. What about on wildcard? Oh, that's a, that's a more tricky decision. Uh, I probably won't. Probably, I think I probably won't buy an attacker on wildcard. I mean, Rashford maybe because he's he's the cheapest, but I won't consider Martial because there are too many forward options out there. 
Um, Bruno's too expensive, I think. I, I mean, Rashford or no one. Because uh, yeah, Marshall is more of a form player, isn't he? Right on the restart, you could see from day one he was on it. It doesn't look like it. He's got that. That's just yet. a lack of pieces, and he was great for France, and he's going to be one of the top scorers this season. Don't worry too much, Marshall. This is the United fan in me talking, and I'm allowed to do that. Who sold both United players on what card? फिक्सर्स Oh, and don't get our defenders; they are terrible. Uh, I think Maguire is probably still in Greece. Yeah. <laughs> Fixtures. First one: uh, West Brom versus Chelsea. How do you see that game going off? Six nil to Chelsea. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's, it's like he has no middle ground when it comes to Chelsea. It's either don't do it or no, we're going to kill it. It's, I don't so, know. I really, I think West Brom have been written off a little bit unfairly. So I'm actually think this game is a bit of a banana skin, because we won Brighton. Liverpool was always a bit of a gimme. So this game, if it's something like nil nil and we don't score by like let's say 45 minutes, we're going to panic a bit, because the pressure is going to pile on. If I was Billich, I'd set a set the team up to play on the counter, will not go as expansive as they were in the previous game. So I don't think it's going to actually realistically speaking, I don't think it will be as high scoring or as easy as we think it will be for Chelsea. What are your thoughts? I think Zofar is being, uh, you know, as skeptical as he is. I I think it will be a comfortable two-nil win for Chelsea. Um, they probably have the new keeper Mendy in goal. Uh, West Brom haven't created a big chance till till now. In the first two game weeks are the only side who has which hasn't created a big chance of all the teams that have played twice. Um, Chelsea have the be- best odds for a clean sheet this week as well. I think it's going to be comfortable. Tunnel. I don't see too many goals for Chelsea because um, you know of, of the lack of creativity. But I think it's still going to be fairly comfortable. What about you? Uh, I don't see. Uh, if I had to call it, I'd say that I don't see Chelsea keeping a clean sheet. I think they'll concede one goal. Because again, I agree with Zoff that West Brom actually have unfairly uh, been put down as a team that will show nothing. I think they looked very decent in attack against Everton until the time they got a card. Uh, but I see Chelsea scoring two or three. Hmm. Hope so. Hope that's the case. Spurs Newcastle. What do you guys think? Another five two? No, no, not not as high scoring as it was uh, against Saints, but uh, a two goal margin uh, uh, win for Spurs. Probably something like a two nil. I expect a clean sheet for Spurs. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. So do I. Yeah. At the risk of sounding like Mark Lawrence, and I'd I'd say two nil, two nil to Newcastle <laughs> to Spurs again. Yeah. Yeah. Because they have a midweek game also, right? I think they probably won't push as much. If they get like two goals, three goals, they'll probably look to conserve energy after that. The most interesting uh, game uh, game of this game week, Arsenal Liverpool. Uh, interesting one because it's uh, I don't think it's as uh, easy to call as it may seem. What are your thoughts on this game, Bakar? Uh, no, this is a tough one. I I think Liverpool will win. Um, their their record against Arsenal historically has been really good as well. I was. uh i was looking at their his, uh, you know the their previous fixtures at anfield in the in previous four games uh they scored like 17 goals in 
different Arsenal team now. I, I, they're I, I know it's like a different Arsenal We had this conversation when we spoke about Everton last season. But every single time Arsenal play against Liverpool at Anfield, I, I get the feeling that you know, no matter who the manager is, it's just going to be a repeat of what has happened earlier. That's just my gut feeling. I, I, I don't think Liverpool uh, that Arsenal will score. I think it's it's going to be three 0 to Liverpool. I don't own Salah, and I'm I'm convinced he's going to punish punish me big time. I'm fully expecting a, a double digit haul from him in this one. What What are your thoughts, though? I think Liverpool are probably going to win comfortably. Probably, maybe not two. Something like two nil, three nil is what I would. I, I see it. Yeah, despite despite what uh, Arteta has shown, uh, you know, against big teams, he's, he's gotten a few results in the cup against City, against Liverpool. Uh, so he's he's uh, again in the Community Shield as well. I mean, preseason doesn't count because of fitness. But uh, his teams have shown a bit of maturity. They aren't. We spoke about this last game. They aren't the Arsenal that they used to be. Uh, so, but you still think it's going to be a comfortable two and three million? I think so. I hope so. I hope David Luiz plays. I need some more penalties. All right. My 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 thinking is different. I think like it will be a closer game than uh, the both of you are anticipating. Uh, I feel like Arsenal are a better team defensively than they were. There will be a lot of one-way traffic, and it will be a fair amount of attack versus defense. But I don't think uh, Arsenal are as uh, tactically naive and defensively naive as they used to That's be. That's a fair point. So, I, I think it'll be a win, maybe one or two goal margin, but not greater than that. So, neither of you guys would want to captain Salah in this fixture. Uh, uh, Salah is never a bad captaincy option. Mm-hmm. Exactly. At home, he's, he's a beast. Uh, if I had him, I would have definitely considered him. Yeah, because he's on my radar because I had done it, I think, a couple of seasons ago. Do you remember the run he made from the halfway line when he played it over Bellerin? Yeah, yeah. And he made yeah, that run yeah. all the way. That was his first season. That was so much fun. Just this he's made Lewis fall also. I think I remember one yeah. goal Lewis fall and he was running. So many memories from this fixture. I mean, Arsenal-Liverpool, yeah. we've seen what this... I think this was a 4-4 as well with the yeah. Arshavin thing. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's always been a great fixture. I, I hope we see lots of goals. I, I don't I don't think we'll see lots of Unfortunately, goals. Unfortunately, not. Yeah. Right. So, all right, City-Leicester. City, I think it's going to be a very comfortable... Uh, win for City by at least a three-goal margin, and that's why I've got my eyes on them for the captaincy. Hmm. I think I don't rate Leicester's defense. I'm on De Bruyne captain as well. Yeah, yeah, do, you, I, do, I have, do you agree with the result? I have nothing more to add. It's, it's, it's. I agree with you guys, absolutely. The only thing right. I would probably the caveat I would put. I think was it the same when Company hit that goal from outside the box? Was Rogers the manager? Or was it somebody else? I don't think I think it was Roger so maybe I'll be interesting to see how he sets up tactically over there when he could probably go ultra defensive he doesn't even have the personnel I think to go three at the back right now I mean ultra defensive with James Justin how does that happen precisely he doesn't have the personnel to do that so I I think yeah like you said it could be three even four five six the city is just about when the floodgates open and how clinical they are on the night and and, uh, the interplay between these four between Foden and De Bruyne, Jesus, and Sterling was so good to watch. So good to watch against. So I mean, these Eli, two, elite link up. These two are the fairly obvious choices. Yes, Salah and uh, KDB. Now I think you're leaning towards Sterling, Ella. Yeah, yeah. If I do get Sterling, that's the thing with Sterling. I think he's more uh, likely to get a brace or a hat trick than uh, uh, De Bruyne. Now, I need to slightly realign my thinking because De Bruyne is playing further forward. And if he continues to play further forward, I don't think the gap is as wider uh, as it was last season. So, it's going to be a debate between uh, De Bruyne and Sterling if I get both. 
uh, and I prefer them as captaincy options this week to a Timo Werner or a Mosa. I think that's probably the next. That was going to be a next question because I don't think yeah. we've seen enough from Werner yet to captain him, right? When you have other heavy hitters with decent fixtures, I don't think Werner has done enough to warrant the armband yet. Uh, do you think it's a fair punt? I think so. It all depends if you are like looking for a differential because I think it's KDB is going to be the most captain. Salah probably second. So I think Werner is a decent punt, but he is a punt. Let's be clear on that. Realistically, I'm looking at the, these three as well. Uh, De Bruyne, um, Werner, and I also have Jesus, so I'm also considering him. But I think I'm going to go for De Bruyne. Uh, City, I, it has to be City answer for me this week because City looks so sharp. And they, uh, I mean, they're... The, I just look at them as as a team on a different planet because they 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 always seem so likely to score three plus goals that it's it's unreal. I mean, no other team is you know of the same mold and of the same caliber. Uh, I won't be surprised even if they score four against Leicester. I mean, Wolves are rated as a very very high defense, and to score three against them with ease, it makes me wonder what they can do to you know other teams. And De Bruyne in this new role as a number ten, more get, midfielder gets more point for a clean sheet. So, I mean, per goal. So, I just can't look past him. I, I'm going to have a very hard time looking past him. Yep. Uh, just just before we move to Barker's uh, three top stats for the game week, uh, I think there's something important that we've missed out in the entire wildcard discussion because there's there's an abundance of choices uh, in the forward bracket. Now, uh, I'm just going to throw some names at you guys and uh, I'm going to wonder that if you do wildcard... Uh, which are the top three forwards that you'd go with? The options right now are Werner makes a good case, Jimenez makes a good case, there's Calvert-Lewin, there's Gabriel Jesus, there's Ings, who has good fixtures still, there's Wood, there's Kane, who's still being pretty good in that slot. So, what what are your top three ideas like for us? Bakar, why don't you go first? Uh, I, I think I'd go with Calvert-Lewin uh, because he he's cheap and his stats are elite. I know under Angelotti how good he, he can be when Everton are clicking. So he's a bit of a no-brainer for me at that price. He has to be in. He's in form. Um, and the other two are slightly more trickier. But I would go with Werner because of his fixtures. Uh, despite the fact that Chelsea haven't clicked yet. But I sort of There's like a him. big decision for everybody on wildcard between Werner and Gabriel Jesus at that 9.5 strikers. Surprisingly, I'd go with both. Actually, I'd go with both over Jimenez. Jimenez, I know, has the fixtures and has the penalties. But he's not the kind of player, I think, who has the same upside... And I don't think he has the same brace potential as someone like a Werner or a Jesus does. So I would go with with uh, Werner and Jesus over him and as. I mean, that's my personal opinion. Any thoughts, Zoff? I mean, Jesus is a very interesting one. Now, if Jesus was injured and was Aguero the fit striker, I don't think this would even be a discussion. Now, Absolutely. So the thing now with Jesus is you look at it, even while the whole period of the restart when Aguero was injured, I think Jesus had only one or maybe even two hauls where he got like 14, 15, 16 scores. So what happens with Jesus is he's not really the kind of guy, even though he gets the shots, he pulls, he makes the rest of the team play better. He makes Sterling get into better positions. He makes Foden get into better positions. So I don't know if he is necessarily ideal for FPL. What do, you, what do you call four goals and three assists between game week 30 and 30 I, last season? I mean, as Tom, yeah. Cruise, as Tom Cruise said, a nutless monkey could do your job. You put like, yeah. you know, a nutless monkey there in front of the city attack. He's going to score like nine or ten I, goals. I, I, I think that's unfair to Jesus. You know? I, think, uh, <laughs> I know, I'm being slightly unfair. But my yeah. point is, that doesn't necessarily make him like worth 9.5. My point is, in terms of goal involvement, I think Jimenez can probably offer more than I would say Jesus would. 
and uh, and what what about Werner versus Jesus? Being a Chelsea fan, I'd be interested in your thoughts. See, it's classic case of like maybe form versus fixtures over there. I would like very hard to say because I haven't really seen enough of Werner yet. I've seen 90 minutes against Brighton and against Liverpool. What I saw was very limited. I think I think he'd be back on pens now. I don't think Jorginho will take them anymore. That whole ridiculous hop stop thing will finally stop. So I don't. That's a bit hard to call. But for me, probably the order would be DCL right at the top, obviously because he's apparently Inzaghi. I think there was an interview from Ancelotti. He said that strikers should only score with one touch. He said all the four goals Calvert Lewin has scored, he's taken only one touch. I had a striker in Milan who scored four hundred goals with only one touch. So, yeah, yeah, I, I saw that. So Dominic Calvert Inzaghi. Probably needs to be on top of that list. I would put him in as a purely because of the fixture run, which they have. The fixture run is quite kind, and ultimately he is going to be involved in almost every goal they score. He is their talisman. The third slot is really where, like you said, is up for debate. I think even Mitrovic, from what I saw, again Mitrovic like him, and as if Fulham score, he's going to be involved. And I think what Mitrovic, the thing is, what I can see from, I think he's playing for a move in a certain extent. He wants to move to the next level in his career. He's played for Newcastle, Fulham. I think he aspires to play for maybe like an Everton, or Spurs, maybe like you know that sort of level before going to the UCL. So I think Mitrovic has something to prove. He was shooting from everywhere against Leeds, but I can't really tell whether that was Leeds or just his shot volume. I think. Would you would you go would you go Mitrovic over Wood? It's again a bit more difficult one because Burnley again are not a team I really rate in terms of attack. I never look at the team like you know look at Burnley or oh, I'm going to look at an attacker because again I look at the identity but of the team. Fulham are the same. That's what. The, but correct. But again, Fulham I feel have like I think Fulham are going to concede shitloads of goals. So ultimately, someone has to score them at the other end. That's what like fair. how we saw with the Leeds game. Fair, fair. That's 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 the thing. There are so many. Good strikers. I, I don't even think Ings or Adams are bad options right Absolutely now because they're they're getting a flurry of chances. Like we mentioned earlier, I think Bakka mentioned Saints are still getting a lot of shots in the box. So they, they're not bad options. It's all about the right sell. one at the right time, isn't it? I think yeah. you can't really Adams be rigid. Got, yeah. I mean, Che Adams got the highest amount of big chances um, in the first two game weeks so far. Hasn't scored yet because he isn't that good a finisher. But I commiserations mean, to him, the monkey. Yeah. Uh, for building up that train, but I feel he's been a little bit unlucky. Yeah. All right. So that's that's the striker dilemma. Now we can move on to our big man's three top stats for the game week. Yeah. So um, yeah, just a second. Man City attack, Barnes versus Vardy, and Leeds yep. aggression. So, so the first uh, stat I have for you is something I've I've touched on already. It's regarding the City attack. I did mention earlier that Wolves uh, conceded six big chances in in the nine games post restart, uh, which highlights basically that they have an elite defense. Uh, however, last time Man City created three big chances against Wolves, 50 of them basically, uh, that's basically 50% of of the amount of big chances that Wolves conceded post restart. So basically, Wolves conceded 50% of their big of the amount of big chances they conceded post restart yesterday in one game. So that tells me that how how sharp City are. and this is why i i was suggesting that i can't possibly you know look beyond city asset for captaincy this week uh the second one i have is is more on lester attack it's basically wardy versus barnes uh so far wardy despite having a 13 pointer in the first game has been preferable uh, prefer for the lester attack having only had one shot in the box from open play in two games and over the same spell harvey barnes has actually managed 10 which means that he's actually carrying the goal threat at the minute for Leicester and this also takes Harvey Barnes top for all players 
uh, over the first two game weeks for shots inside the box. The third uh, stat I have for you is is regarding Leeds and why I think regression for Leeds is imminent. Uh, so far, Leeds have scored seven goals from twelve sh- from just twelve shots inside the box. Uh, their co- conversion rate is almost unreal, and it's it seems borderline unsustainable. Um, the underlying data tells me that that from teams who have played twice, only West Brom have created fewer big chances than Leeds, and Leeds have scored seven times. So that tells me that regression at their end is inevitable. Interesting. Just on that last uh, stat that you mentioned, I'd like to mention that in a post-match interview, I saw it on MOTD. Yep. MOTD, yep. Bielsa mentioned that uh, this is the case with Leeds. So if he might do something about it, right? we have to assume that managers also might be aware of what their team's uh, downfalls are. And I, I feel like for he sure. want his team to attack more, which bodes well for City attackers next to next game week. Yep. Yep. Let's do the Q&A yeah. now. All right. Let's do the Q&A. Oh, oh, no, sorry. Before that, let's just quickly do the differential picks for the week. I, I spoke about him previously. My differential for this week. No cheating. I'm going to go with Grady Diangana, yep. who's uh, going to do well against Chelsea. I think generally uh, avoiding the Chelsea thing, I think he's a good pick for the next four. Yeah, I, I think Bucker has got Wood. Do you have yeah, Wood? I've gone, Chris, I, I've gone Chris Wood. Uh, two big chances against Leicester and he scored, um, you know, uh, against them. So he's in form, he's on penalties. Southampton coming on, on the back of a 5-2 defeat, having conceded the most big chances. I think this is fairly straightforward. Chris Wood for me. Yeah. So I've gone for Maupai after seeing LR pick Diangana against Chelsea. All right. I don't blame you. We have Lindelof in defense. Exactly. So, do we do team reveals now or do we do them after the q and I don't remember. We do them. We can do them. We can do them now. I don't have a draft because I pulled the uh, wildcard trigger at uh, lunch today at work and come home and potted with you guys. Cool. But uh, we mentioned the flurry of options that are available. So, cool. yeah, that's that. Why so don't you guys... Just I'm just going to start off now with Bakar's team. Let's talk yep. about. Let's, can you just talk us through and please name the players now for the benefit of our audio listeners? Yeah, sure. Uh, I have Martinez in goal again against um, against Fulham. Uh, then I have Trent, who's basically an auto pick for me for for 38 games, barring injury or suspension. Uh, Reese James, I have because of his run of fixtures against West Brom. I think he's he's likely to do well this week. Uh, Sice uh, is is my last defender against uh, West Ham this week. Then in midfield, I have. Um, De Bruyne, who's who's going to be my captain this week. Um, other than that, I have Odens uh, and and Rashford, who I got on my wild card. Unfortunately, he didn't do do much for me there. Then uh, my last midfielder is uh, James Rodriguez, uh, which again, and I have James and Calvert win both in attack, and I'm not entirely sort of convinced they'll do well this week because I think Palace might be a you know tough nut to crack. Uh, my other two forwards are Gabriel uh, Jesus and Timo Werner. And yeah, so that's that's basically my team. And I think De Bruyne is going to be my yeah, team. I think you're good to save a transfer this week. Yeah, good team. Good team. I've already done the De Bruyne in Oh, for, right. Oh, that's true. Um, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've already that. done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sold Aubameyang for De Bruyne. Right. So, my team now, I'll just walk you guys through it. I've got Mikati in goal. Alexander-Arnold, Ailing, Mitchell in defence. Salah, De Bruyne, I got Salah as captain in this image, but it'll change to De Bruyne. Havertz, James Rodriguez, that's a midfield. Mitrovic, Werner and Ings. So I've already done one free transfer that was Aubameyang to De Bruyne now. I have multiple options here, which I'm considering. That's Havertz to Sun, possibly for negative four. 
after speaking to you guys i'm not so keen on that the other one was possibly something like fordens and podens and jesus in for havertz and adams or some like maybe even foden and himenes but i didn't really not negative eight really isn't my style so i do think havertz and adams can deliver over the next two weeks they play west brom back to back so i could probably yeah. give them that all the other option would be to wild card and triple up on city wolves and something i'm not ruling out any possibilities all right fair enough we'll move to the q and a question q and a round now uh, we'll make it little quick how how far are we into time i think we uh, we'll cover lost. all the we we'll, let's try to cover all the questions in a succinct manner we are about 80 minutes in that's about 10 minutes i think we can wrap up all right cool we'll be quick uh, so the first question is uh, from nc this is for bakar with lots of premium attackers looking good thoughts on going without the liverpool defense uh, i don't think i'd i'd recommend going without a liverpool defender um they had the fewest shots conceded of all teams in the league uh, for all teams to have played twice so the defensive numbers are really good uh, they're yet to concede a big chance from open play i i don't think it takes much for either robertson or trent to haul i mean they all they need is an assist and they'll get like a 12 pointer so they're explosive i won't recommend going without at least one of them Uh, next one is for Zaf. This is from AA33. Thoughts on the league defense? Uh, would you go for the likes of Ailing or Dallas? I mean, they look very leaky now with Ben White's departure, and we spoke about the new centre back last week, Cox, and he was again. He made so many cockups against Fulham, so I really don't think we can really trust Leeds yet. I think they've been linked with another centre back. that should probably help but as of now i would avoid if you have if you are going to pick one for sure i would probably pick ailing i like the positions he was taking a bit better on the overlap compared to dallas but as of now i'd probably not buy either all right uh, the next question i'll take it's from fpl euphoria should we move adams on and if so for who uh, i'd i'd be patient with adams this week i thought he's looked really good he's and it's not like he's scuffing his shots he, he's taking some good shots he's just been denied by some really good saves uh and uh, burnley again might be without their first choice center back pairing uh, pairing this uh, game week uh, and i wouldn't be surprised to see a reaction from the same so i'd i'd hold on to che adams yep. uh the next question is for bakar uh this is again from a33 dcl or richarlison um i i'd go with calvert lewin because he's 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 cheaper and more of a poacher in zagi esque like you mentioned earlier zoff um i mean Not I, me, Richardson. Ancelotti. Richardson <laughs> actually has the most shots inside the box. He's joined with Harvey Barnes over the first two games, so his numbers are really good. But I think he gets le- less of attention because you know, in isolation, I think he's going to be a he's a great asset. But because of uh, Cavalouin, I think he gets less attention. I I'd go with Cavalouin because he's outstarted Richardson over a larger sample size under Ancelotti last season as well. So he's more proven. He's more dependable. He's cheaper. Him for me. Yep. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, next question is for Zoff. This is from Siddharth underscore Kera. Reese James looks like a starter, or Aspital Aspi will rotate with him. Hence, who would be the best five point five to five point five million defender to go for according to Zoff? I mean, we might as well call this a Reese James podcast by this point. <laughs> so we keep we keep going back to him. So, like I said earlier, I think he is going to definitely play a lot more games than he did last season, but. I think it those two, probably the games against the deep blocks like Palace at home I think it would be very likely to start at the same now that you flip that to Saints away I'm not so sure acha after a Champions League game again I'm not so sure because Aspi on the field is a huge presence and problem is Chilwell is also quite attacking on the other side so to have two very attacking fullbacks against a team which is going to counter attack could be a bit risky 
So you have to keep that in mind as well. So I do think like a buckle shred for the short term. For the next three fixtures, I think James is a good pick. But once the UCL starts kicking around, then you'd be sweating on team sheets every week. And another thing to note is he's not normally you don't see defenders get subbed on. Now James can play in midfield as well. So a lot of times if you are like you know trying to conserve a lead, you might see him subbed on, and later on in the game, which is going to deny your auto sub. So be wary of that. All right, fair point. Uh, the next question I'll take is from Gugatron. Is it worth a minus four to ship out Makati right now, and who for that price? Uh, the best keeper in the four point five bracket that we've discussed. The other options are Martinez and maybe Ryan. Uh, but I wouldn't take a pit to ship out a keeper, and they play Burnley, so you could clean. Uh, the next question is for Bakar. It's from Sanjib underscore U Y N W A. If you're playing your wild card, would you double up on City assets? I think this is an easy one for me. I've already answered this. I, I would actually triple up uh, Jesus, De Bruyne, Ford, and all three of them in for me on wildcard if I was wildcarding this week. Fair enough. Uh, next one is for Zoff. This is from FPL underscore MPEG. I think we've spoken about Zaha already. Uh, so I think we can skip this one. Yep. Uh, the next one is from I am red underscore Ron. Uh, Jimenez or Ings for the next few weeks. Uh, I think uh, I'd go with Jimenez because I feel like he's got. Considerably better fixtures from an attacking standpoint, so I'd go with Jimenez. Also, momentum because I think Saints are just not in a good place right now. Fair point. Fair point. Uh, the next one is for Bakar. This is from Jack underscore Burgess. Is it worth taking a four-point hit on selling Aubameyang for someone like Son, KDB, Sterling, etc., assuming that the four-point hit would be unavoidable? I I would probably sell for a Man City asset. I think. Um, I mean most. Mostly when I'm making a transfer, I think of moves as a four-point hit anyway, so as to justify whether or not they would be worth it over the long term. Uh, uh, I I think I would just do it. Great fixtures, captaincy candidates. I, I probably won't buy Son for a hit, but because of United away next week, but I, I would 100% sell Aubameyang for a City mid uh, for a four-point hit. Yeah. All right. Next one, I agree with you. Uh, next one is for Karthik uh, from Karthik1886. This is for Zoff. Would you hold or sell Bruno Fernandes? I remember Bruno, I think he got a brace in this fixture last year. So unless you're selling him for a City mid, probably De Bruyne or Sterling, I would hold. You're going to make me regret my wild card. Anyway, moving on, this is uh, this question is from our good friend Polo Spen. Uh, thoughts on the trend, Robertson double up? I just is showing me that they are doing some great points dodging. Robertson versus James is a real dilemma. Uh, I really like the uh, Liverpool defensive double-up. I was never pro it as much in the back, but I feel like Thiago in the midfield is a game-changer in terms of Liverpool having more control in the game. Uh, and uh, there will be a few looping balls for the full-back, so go for it. Uh, the next question is for Bakker. It's from Dan Towney. Calvert-Lewin versus MNS for the mid-price striker spot seems like the ultimate in-form versus fixtures for the next few. Both are in-form, though. Uh, but if you are transferring to one of them, which one would you all favour? Uh, I think this is a very tough question. I think I would probably go with Calvert-Lewin over Jimenez uh, because Calvert-Lewin is cheaper. He'd allow for other upgrades in the team and because I think Everton have more goals in them than Wolves. I think they're a better attacking side, particularly after Hamas has joined. So, I would I would go with Calvert-Lewin. I actually disagree with you on this one. I personally think Jimenez has got an ideal attacking run in the next four fixtures. So, first, I'd recommend uh, Jimenez. You feel like breaking the t- ties off? I would actually say DCL purely for in terms of a value perspective, but I guess you could probably spread it if you have Hammers in midfield. 
if you have ha- hammers in midfield you could probably go with himenes instead all right good one the next question is for yusuf it's from joseph melvin would your current team value be an important factor in your wild carding decisions if you have below 100 million would you wild card i mean i mean the, your existing team value doesn't necessarily play a, a decision in your wild card but as we touched upon earlier a lot of people do play it for value considerations if you have mo- risers if you have followers for sometimes it can be maybe a 1.1 1.2 swing in most seasons i would have said yes that is a valid reason to dump those players but this year you have a lot more options what you need to evaluate is whether you see potential from those players still that's what All really right. matters cool and the last question of the day this is from the fpl key i'll take this one is it time to jump back on lester seem to have shaken off the slump and has some exciting players across multiple price positions uh my thoughts are on on the defense that i'm not very hot on the defense i don't think there are very good defense until the time perera comes in uh, the only pick that i've consistently liked in them for them is harvey barnes because i feel like there are better striker options in wadi so barnes is the one to go for if you're going with lester yeah. uh, i think that's the pod for this week this uh, just a couple of things i'd like to mention uh we are all on youtube as well as all your podcast platforms like uh uh Spotify or Apple Podcasts or your RSS feeds. We will tweet about this. Uh, you can follow us on at the rate late riser twelve at the rate zofar triple six and at the rate big man bakar. Don't forget to hit hit the bell icon so that uh, you are notified when our next video is uploaded. And like, share, and subscribe. Any last words, guys? Nothing much. I hope Chennai Super Kings with the IPL. Uh, what about you, Bakar? Any last words? Good luck with the wild card. I just hope it goes well. All right, yeah, I'm tired of being around 4.5 million. Hoping finally uh, to get a little bit of a green arrow. That's yeah. it from our our end. See you next week, guys. See bye you bye. next week. See you. Bye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.